0: Welcome to the very first episode of the Young Filmmakers Podcast, Uh, a new podcast from one of the people who brought you Popology, which died when Adam had a baby. Screw you, Adam, and your baby. (laughs) I might cut that out. It started well. Um, With me, my new hosts and experts in their fields. Uh, Across from me, I have uh, Emma Duncan. Hello. Hello, Emma. Uh, Emma is a director of photography. She's very good with cameras. Thank you very much. Mm. I've, I've seen it and everything. Uh, it's not just rumors. And uh, to my right is director extraordinaire. He told me to say that. Uh, Paul Welsh. Hello. Hello, Paul. How's it going? So good. Um, before we get on with our film analyses, um, we've, today we are going to be talking about uh, The Lighthouse and comparing it to uh, Danny Boyle's great films, uh, Sunshine which uh, is up for debate. We'll get 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 round to that in a bit. But uh, before we get going, uh, tell me a bit about yourself, guys. Um, what have you uh, worked on? Your favourite film? And uh, I don't know, I feel like I should ask a complicated technical uh, camera question to you, Emma. Favourite camera?
1: Favourite camera? Oh, that's a tricky one. Uh, you know, an a mirror. A mirror is always nice. love to run around with a mirror. They're heavy. Okay. I've only got little arms, but you know. Even we may do <laughs>
0: um, I'm going to nod knowingly I have no
1: idea Paul do you know what a mirror is
0: uh, no ok that's alright um, favourite film
1: oh can't. I did not have preparation for this question <laughs> favourite film can I go with I don't know if I've got a favourite film anything by Lynn Ramsey anything mm, I'm going to yeah I'm just going to go in here and Paul's going to hate me for this I'm going to say my favourite film was probably Stalker Stalker. It's a beautiful film.
0: Okay, I have not seen Stalker. Oh, when? well,
1: we should add that to the uh, to the podcast list. We'll add
0: it. It's on the list, which I've just created.
2: Paul. Same uh, same question. Hmm. Uh, yeah, you're favorite right. favorite camera. And fav- fav- <laughs> favorite camera is. Um, oh, you actually have one. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm enjoying running about with this little Zenit camera I've got at the moment with a nice little um etching of the Moscow eighty Olympics. Ooh.
3: Um
2: that's that's fun. Sounds vintage. Yeah, it's an old shitty um Soviet camera and you know they're 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 known to be like pieces of shit but you know okay. it's, it's all bit of fun. Is this um
0: what you're you're currently using on the uh, your film that you're making at the moment? say No, it's a film
2: camera just for taking pictures. Okay, but okay. it's it's primarily been used for like storyboarding. Sure.
0: I think I've seen some of that.
2: You've shown me. It's been around. Yeah, Um, you are working
0: on a film at the moment, which uh, yep. I had the joy of being an extra in, and uh,
2: Emma, you were DOP on. I was indeed. Uh, Almost finished. Uh, Yep, we just got one more shoot. uh, As of right now, got one more shoot left in the Barbican Estate, um, which is like my favorite place in London. Mm. So it's like really, really, really excited to do that. Uh, It's just a lot of concrete. Mm -hmm. All the concrete. Yeah, the Barbican
0: kind of confuses and scares me. That's,
3: that's why we're that's, there.
0: That's the point. It's the point of the Barbican. You were telling me it was developed as some kind of fortress. We're totally segued into architecture here. But this that's what we're going to do on this podcast. We're going to get deep
2: on, on things. Yeah, um, so the way it was designed, cause it's designed, because like, it's a, after like, that entire area of London was flattened um, after World War Two. So they designed it as a middle class estate. So the idea was that you could only really navigate it if you're a resident of the estate. Mm. So that's why it's really impossible to, as a normal person never been there, to find what the entrance is and your way around it. Because it's designed so that only people who actually live there and regularly go to the place can actually grasp um, the the layout of it all. Well, they did a good job because I
0: literally can never find my way in or out. Um, So we, we we'll watched the lighthouse the other week we did. and we figured it'd be a good start for the first episode the idea with these podcasts for those listening um unlike a uh, uh, previous iteration which was all about news and we wanted this to be more kind of um i guess i want to call it article podcasting so we will analytical yeah um we'll do uh we're going to do episodes on particular films so if you haven't seen the films uh in the title of the episode needless to say there will be spoilers Go away, watch them, and then you can listen to the episode and leave your comments below. Get involved with the chat. Um, I might even
2: put these up on YouTube. That'd be wild. The Lighthouse You two are well into it. Well, yes. we first—well, both of us first saw it at the London Film Festival. Um, when was it? Ten a.m. It started. It, it uh, was.
1: It was early, and it was, was the other side of London to where we were, and we uh, we missed the first ten minutes.
2: Oh no! It, it was only like five minutes. Actually, yeah. I think I think they realized it was only five minutes. Thankfully. Um, and yeah I think as soon as it finished we were there for like like four hours just like drinking knocking back paints just like just trying to comprehend um, how bloody amazing it was yeah let's just let's just come out straight out and just see yeah it's fucking great
1: and then we spent three months counting down to when we could watch it again so (laughs) this was a great (laughs)
0: excuse and that's where I got involved Um, immediately off the top I think I was I was less into this than you were Mm -hmm. um, and obviously we'll delve into why but technically, a lot to respect there.
2: Yeah, it's, it's I think it's quite amazing when you see a film like with so many elements just clicking together so well. Um, and the old, every element for the sound design has like, these wee, weird, bizarre things like a uh, great foghorn sample, the way okay. the sound mix works, mm-hmm. the soundtrack works together, and then the, the cinematography itself, and it's crazy lighting. All those v- uh, visual and uh, sound elements just sort of click fantastically well together, create just this cohesive piece uh, yeah. aesthetically.
1: I think as well the whole thing just spirals like it starts off in one place visually and with sound design and it just builds and builds and builds mm. and it stretches itself and it just becomes this like this crazy mad roller coaster of a film
0: yeah it goes a bit nuts um, I what do you think the Because uh, obviously they use that very particular aspect ratio I've read some stuff as to why um, Robert Eggers wanted to use it um but what were your thoughts when you first saw
1: it I, mean, I feel like most commonly that aspect ratio is used when you want to be really in it with a character like if you're doing if you've got these big wide screens you're stretching the space around a character's face and it's much harder to connect if you're in that square aspect ratio and you've got a close-up of a character their face is filling the entire screen it's much easier to be on the pain that they're on and to be on their emotional journey mm. which when you have two characters who are going through such an ordeal and when you're supposed to be kind of getting caught up in the madness of it I think having that ratio really helps and I think also just helping it it's confined you know the whole thing is very claustrophobic it's all mm. set in the lighthouse by keeping it squished in that square aspect ratio the whole thing feels it feels trapped it feels yeah. like you're stuck in that
0: yeah that's why I took from it it was uh, when it first started It was like what is this 1970 <laughs> Um but it did add to the claustrophobia Um, I was reading a few interviews and listening to a few interviews with uh, Willem Dafoe and old old R. Patz and they were saying that they had to be so physically close to get them both in the shot so they would be centimeters from each other's faces (laughs) in a lot of the scenes which is again going to add to the intensity of it Um,
1: I think as well in some of the uh, scenes when they're sort of opposite the table from each other in the dining room. I think they played around with lenses and focal lengths there because yeah. there's times when that feels really claustrophobic like mm. it feels really 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 tight and then there are times where the space actually feels a little bit bigger and like you can breathe in it and I think that rides along with the characters journeys so I think it is partly aspect ratio but then also partly kind of lens compression oh, sorry I'm just getting a bit No, no, Eeky get You're meant to that's <laughs> what
2: this is about um, do you know what uh, gear they used? Um, I don't they, 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 um, they repurposed a lot of old classical lenses like used from like 1917 and that stuff even earlier okay. like just they it was proper crazy how like they hunted so much for like just old stowaway lenses and mm. the, the kit rooms and just went and just pulled the stuff out and then just like jerry-rigged it for whatever camera <laughs> they were using um, just to try and just capture like the, the aspect ratio thing again it's that this hark back to the old sort of Old cinema and that stuff, those sort of thing. So it, it plays two things. One, to like play off, off that aesthetic of the, the time it's in, and then the same way it did that with the lenses, it's like, oh, we want to capture a movie that feels like it could have been made mm-hmm. like in the early 20th century.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But at the same time, it's the double purpose of it actually just works thematically. Yeah. Um, I liked and, yeah, that, that although
0: they did want it to feel like it could have been made back in the day. Uh, they didn't sacrifice in quality though. Not at um, yeah, exactly. They didn't do that deliberate, oh, let's make it all fuzzy and no. bits out of focus everything everything's so sharp.
3: Yeah.
0: Um the black and white I always enjoy a black and white film I myself. See
2: that, so. that's I think that's actually also the issue with a lot of people who try and go for that aesthetic is that I think they don't realise how how clear you can get like a 4K scan from old film. Yeah. They th- they l- they'll they look at like an old DVD copy and that stuff and go, oh, it's all, uh, it's all scratchy and grainy, therefore that must be what it's like. It's like, not at all, actually. Uh, images would have been crisp. It's just the way you can project them mm. would have hindered it. The film mm. itself would have been really clear. So if you have the equipment to scan it, sure, it'll come out as clear as you want. Like you get all mm. these restorations nowadays that just look crystal clear. It's like, oh, this is made in 1940. Nice, I did not know that.
0: You've taught me a thing, Paul. Yeah, the sound design was interesting. We are going to get um, a good friend of ours, Seb, Shulter, in on a few of these. Uh, he he's not in on Lighthouse because uh, he fell asleep during it when we were watching it. Uh, so he said he did. He didn't. did keep saying though,
2: "Wow, that foghorn!"
0: Yeah, the foghorn is <laughs> the foghorn haunted me for days. Yeah, um, it and it was just incessant, and I. Did the use of it die out throughout the film or did I just get used to it? You got used to it. Used that's to what it. I thought, yeah. You got used to it. Meant to look this up, actually. The, what was the foghorn? Was it ships nearby or does the lighthouse, the have, lighthouse have a, has it it has a The lighthouse has a
2: foghorn. The bits where he's like shoveling the core and that's the power the foghorn. That's the power of the foghorn. Yeah. Okay. And so it just goes incessantly. It's incessantly, yeah. yeah. While they're trying to sleep, while they're... God, it
0: would drive you mad, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah um okay so that was uh, that was a good touch actually and that I, I feel that they ver- must have very specifically designed that sound oh uh,
2: a great little tidbit actually about how they went for that sound uh they, they found i think I'm, I'm reading the sound designer um was like hunting incessantly uh, for the perfect foghorn from these four periods mm. and then they found this collector in the highlands and just went there and spent like a couple of months just testing them all out and then got one he liked Sampled it and then stretched it, and just made it what you hear in the film, which yeah. is the most brain-crunchingly mm-hmm. ominous thing in the world. This is it re- quite ominous. It, like, re- it really digs into your mind, like yeah. it really like claws at you. Um,
1: it's like a full body. It's like through the stomach, through everything. It just like drags. That. It, it
2: was what like
0: we had it on some pretty decent speakers, but I would have really liked to have. In the cinema, type.
2: it shakes yeah. the entire room. It's, yeah. it's how, how, how powerful it is in certain scenes. And it's like a lot of the film's quite silent.
1: Mm. And it's,
2: that's completely shattered um, by the foghorn.
1: Which I guess is probably quite important because it is quiet because it's just the two of them and you've just got some sort of the sounds mm. of the waves. But you needed that like busy or you needed something to fill <laughs> the sound to keep that like momentum going of the madness. Mm.
0: Um, direction. I hadn't seen any Robert Eggers stuff before mm-hmm. this. Uh, I know he did The Witch. He did The Witch. Yep, yeah. which I've heard good things That's about. Brilliant. Um, what else had he done?
2: Like, how familiar?
3: I think was The Witch is his uh,
2: debut. Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
2: no, he did. I think he's done a couple of short films, him and his brother, um, which I've not seen. But um, I think they've Nightly is definitely, definitely um, coming out as he's easily going to become like a cult figure within horror, even though I wouldn't consider Lighthouse a horror film yeah i didn't think it was i think it was it's got, there were horror aspects no horror, no, horror elements gothic.
0: but it's not mm. but it's not a horror film it's definitely gothic um from uh, this is where i bring my expertise in uh, it had a lot of traits of gothic literature okay. all through it um just the ominous build-up mm-hmm. of nothingness yeah, yeah and
1: this is what i found actually just to, to talk about the witch it was the same with the witch mm. was it it's one of those films where you're watching it and the whole time you're watching it you feel uncomfortable you feel like you're watching something that you shouldn't be you, like you're a fly on the wall watching something that you shouldn't really be watching mm. but there's nothing is happening and i think that's what he does really really well is getting that like such a strong emotional reaction out of something that actually is very s- simple
2: and, it, and I, th- I think it, heart, it does harken back to a lot of actually sort of like um like hodenberg and mm. Carpenter Horror where that in the 80s when there was that sort of continuous like fear of the unknown fear of the unknown but then horror lost its way after the 80s and just went about show it all mm. uh, gore and stuff it just, it just started incessantly just blasting you with everything and just lo- losing it so it's, <laughs> it's amazing to see someone come back and go no 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 the the unknown is Terrifying, yeah. It can be even more, and I think he's proved it with especially The Witch. I think The the Witch is probably my favorite horrors of the 21st century just because of how I'm gonna throw a competitor uh, for that title. Um, is have
0: you seen it? Follows,
2: yeah. Follows is is also a very similar vibe again, like
0: you never really see anything, yeah. Um, and it's just all suggestion and
3: really, really
2: good. And, and yeah, and the lighthouse always plays the idea is like it's allowing. Your, uh, there's enough space here for your imagination to build up what is actually horror. It's like you've got these elements of the sort of the tentacles. We're talking back to the sort of three monsters and somewhat Lovecrafty stuff. Um, so there's, there's all these elements, but because you don't get any straight answers, it just allows your imagination itself to just run free and go, "Whoa, fuck!" <laughs> and but they never really confirm what's real
0: and what's not. I think there's interpretations as to even when they die, like the bits that you, they you suggest that when they die on screen. I I've, I, I was I've jotted down a couple of readings a bit, for example, Winslow potentially dies when he's, uh, when he falls from the lighthouse. Um, okay. so, uh, Defoe's characters, you know, holding him on the rope at the top and he's painting it mm-hmm. the outside and he falls.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a big fall and i was like fine there's no way he survives that and he does survive it but i to <laughs> you does he survive it because the very last shot of the film is him on those rocks where he falls um the it's one reading i think that the what happens afterwards could just be kind of the, his death throes as if you will like his kind of mind wandering as he as he passes away um i think it's probably not the actual reading but i think it's an interesting one yeah to but, it, but the
2: film allows allows you to because, 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 of the ma- the maddening nature of what's going on the screen, um, by having that that sort of like uh, I don't know what point is. That. I've lost,
0: lost my thought. <laughs> it's right. This is what editing's for. Yeah, I'll just insert you going profound point. Um,
2: who's insane? I've always thought Winslow. Okay, I think Winslow is the one who's insane.
1: I think they're both insane.
2: They're both pretty insane. Yeah, they both are. But I think, what's the foe's character called again? Um. Ah. Oh.
1: Does he have a name? Wake. He
2: does. Wick. Wake.
0: Wick. Yeah, that's it. Um, I do like the uh, that that kind of last twenty minutes, the final third, um, that whole thing where he's kind of being like, "No, you were doing this thing. You did this. Mm-hmm. You like you broke the boat," and he's like and we see one thing Mm -hmm. Wake's saying what we saw isn't true and we're doubting it as much as Winslow is Mm -hmm. Um, which is very nice I really liked that because at the end I was like I don't know what's up or down anymore Um, did you have any kind of interesting readings of it that you think maybe aren't the conventional ones I'm just
1: trying to think back
0: because you've mentioned Lovecraft a lot, Paul.
2: Yeah, because I, I, I got that that vibe. Not just because of the sort of old like twentieth-century vibes and that stuff off the coast of Maine, which is those typically that sort of uh, area mm. of the world is where Lovecraft typically sets his stuff. And again, the sort of that ocean horror, those ocean ele- no, no, not ocean horror, but like those uh, motifs that are also like prevalent in the sort of Lovecraft stuff. Yeah, the, t- the, the tentacles. The tentacles is kind of the classic nod to it, and I think the but even even like um, the <coughs> Sailor's Curse that Wilming the Fool gives because of <laughs> the food it's I it's, know it's it's just something you just read out of like at the Mountains of Madness yeah and it's just, it's just it's just going through just like utter mania um so that's what I was taking from it it's more I wouldn't say it's like an adaptation of Lovecraft but I think it's an understanding mm. of Lovecraft's horror and I think that's the exact same in The Witch it's just that it's plays in, plays in that sort of um yeah, just fear of unknown, that's that's primarily what I've always got from. It's like, there's something bigger out there but it's just uncomprehensible. To the oh point God. that you, you just can't show it. I think that's I think that's actually how like Gerling little Toro's adaptation failed because he I think he focused too much on trying to show monsters. Yeah, he loves showing monsters. <laughs> and and I was also and and that's just like I don't think that should ever be
1: It's that w- idea that what is what is there is so horrific that you can't even imagine it, and if you were able to imagine it, that it would destroy you. Mm. And I think that is what is so fun about it. That you know that final shot with the with his light pouring in and him slowly it just driving him.
0: Yeah, mad. and it, is he like the look on his face? Is it pure ecstasy or is it fear? It's mm. it's somewhere but in between. It's,
1: it's sort of almost the same as the Midsummer ending, where it's like all of the emotion no, going through. I was, a bit,
0: I was a bit scared of Midsummer as a film to watch it. I think I probably built it up too much in my mind.
2: It's not that gory. It's, it's, there's, there's there's a couple of gory scenes, but I don't think it's that horrific, as everyone keeps saying. Um, yeah. I enjoyed Midsummer a lot, but I, I wasn't on board the hype train because I'd seen Heredia Train and didn't really get what everyone else got from that. Yeah. Um, but you're touching back on the Lovecraft stuff, I think this was definitely the one of the movies where I feel like finally someone... Someone's going back to Lovecraft and understanding this horror. Mm. Um, I think no, that only really happened. Like I think the last thing I can think of is Carbon. Is uh, Carpent, it Carbon or I was getting mixed up. But uh, in the Mouth of Madness. Mm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But again, that's that. That was just that was almost like Stephen King slash Lovecraft, and it's like I'm uh, just jumping both. Yeah, um, where they're this, not quite the same. Yeah, they're very different. <laughs> yeah, um, great movie, but it's just like, I oh, just want. I just want someone, I was always waiting for a good, someone to just tackle
0: some Lovecraft. Yeah, which hasn't really happened to my knowledge and this is probably the closest, I think. Easily. Um. There are a few other, I liked the uh, idea, are, are uh, Wilson and Wake the same person? Mm.
1: I've heard about this theory. Mm. But I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it feels like cheating. It feels like it's too obvious. It's too know. Fight Club. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I think I when I read it, I was like, eh, it's kind of a classic English lit reading of it. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the, I'm, the, I'm, I'm, the ego. I, I, I can't.
2: That's the first I've heard of this, and I can't. I can't see mm. how that would be a it, it does totally defeat the whole two man play thing, mm. Yeah, that really annoys. That, 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 that would that does annoy me hearing that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't get too annoyed. It was just a, just a suggestion.
1: But no, I love that final sequence where you start being tested on what is real or not, and mm. this is why I think it is. I think it's just a case of wake like, just messing with him. I think he, yeah, and I think that's what's so fun is he gets this madness in him of just wanting to elevate the situation.
3: Um.
0: One reading that I think is very on point was the one that I mentioned to you guys, as soon as we finished, we didn't really get time to talk was the Greek mythology's yeah. references within it. Um immediately as soon as you, you have the mermaids, uh, the sirens kind of mm-hmm. drawing him in singing to him, uh, Winslow's Prometheus, uh, the Titan who stole fire from the gods and then was punished for it. So the whole time, all he wants is to steal this light from wake yeah. and eventually gets punished for doing so. Um, Wake is uh, I had to look this one up cause I didn't know off the top of my head, but there's a cat, is a figure called Proteus who's this like prothet- prophetic old man of the sea. Who's a subject of Poseidon. that's spot And the thing with uh, Proteus is that he knows all things past and present and future. Mm-hmm. And he in that Poseidon's curse, he actually predicts Winslow's fate in it. I um, can't remember exactly what he says, but there's references to mm-hmm. how Winslow dies. Um, but the question is, if he knows everything, does he know that he's going to die? Um, I think th- probably yes. I, I think he's, yeah. he strikes me as a character doesn't really care anymore. Yeah, he's just like, meh. I'll go back to the sea and then I'll be happy.
1: Yeah, I think he's tired. You know, yeah. he's been there for a he while. He looks tired. <laughs> he needed <laughs> he's a, had enough.
0: a good shave <laughs> and more than potatoes. Yeah. Um, should we? Uh, do you want to quickly talk about the? the technical side sorry the cat's moving you're right uh do you want to talk about the technical side of that scene the uh the curse scene
3: because Oof.
0: there's something even as i was watching it not being someone who knows about the technical side of this stuff mm-hmm. i knew something that was interesting was going on with the lighting mm-hmm. and you fill in the gaps yeah i think
1: <laughs> it was just a really fun thing to see because i think in cinema there is a rare it's rare that you get to make somebody look that crazy with Mm. light and the fact that it's shot in black and white just increases that so much more but obviously when you do have a light it's one strong light source that low on somebody's face and you're shooting it from such a strange low angle it just it creates these and william defoe's got such a crazy amazing face anyway Mm. with all these Mm. cheekbones and bone structures more
0: cheekbones than light
1: bouncing off things and crazy shadows and their eyes are going and it just it, it yeah
2: it feels like there's like I feel like there's a hidden light change uh, during because because okay. I think it's when as it performs builds and builds and to the point there's this movement it does and it feels like the light just changes but you're just so engrossed mm-hmm. uh, into the action that you just do not notice light changes and all of a sudden as he goes into the next verse basically it's just like you just you just see just how extenuated all, all those features are and it's just like it's just bloody amazing that's how you you can choreograph all those little elements together
1: so Uh, seamlessly as well so seamlessly so seamlessly it's a combination isn't it of the the light source the angle of the camera and the way that william defoe is standing i think he stands up and the camera drops down and then the light changes and all three of those happen together that just swings that the shadows Mm -hmm. up and just creates this absolutely Mm -hmm. amazing
2: it is uh the most memorable scene in the film, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, it's it, 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 it just jumps from comedy to yeah. sheer horror, back to comedy, and it, it just it just held you in that edge so, so finely mm. and just completely plays around with you. Mm. Um, it's absolutely marvelous to be a part of.
1: Yeah, I remember when we saw it in the cinema as well. It was one of those moments where the whole room is just. It's just like silent but like rich, with you can just feel everybody on the edge of their seats just hanging on to every word and just holding their breath. And then it finishes, and they have I can't remember what the line is, but they have that sort of all right, I, it's like,
2: all right, I like your cooking.
1: Yeah, that was it. And then you <laughs> sort of feel everybody laugh, and that tension breaks, and everybody yeah. settles. And it's just like so beautifully, the, the whole everything about it is so well Yeah, it's, it's quite
2: amazing how you can uh, how you just the entire scene is just theme about arguing about cooking. That's 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 a scene, that's a mm-hmm. scene, and how you can just draw so much um contrast and conflicting emotion from it, it's just like bizarrely amazing.
1: I think it's the writing as well, like the way that he weaves together sort of the modern dialogue that he's written with the old dialogue that he's found. He did the same in the witch yeah. I think, sort of mm. found ex like excerpts of old novels or old diaries and lifts that puts it directly in but mixes it with his dialogue so seamlessly <coughs> that it Yeah. It just creates this strange dance.
0: Mm. Well, I think, add to so that is, I think Robert Patterson even more so than William Defoe, William Defoe, sorry, not William, um, looked into the really research into the accent, mm. which is this kind of, yeah, he's got this old accent. New England kind of thing going on, which is apparently quite authentic for how they spoke at the time. Mm. Um, yeah. I have a lot of respect for old old
2: R-pats. Yes. I, 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 this was certainly like one one of the best performances so far. Um, he's proven himself quite a lot on the indie scene after Twilight. Mm-hmm. And he's just sort of continually building himself as down self actually. It's like, oh, he's a good actor. And this yeah. is definitely a win. And with that sort of accent, I can imagine how hard that accent would be, especially for an English actor. And I think my favourite part of that is when his voice breaks and he's still in that accent. It's like, I, I can't do it, but it's like, when it's like, when he's going manic and he just goes so high pitched and it just sounds even more like fucking beautiful, how how he just managed to just make that onto his own. He just, and I was like, probably 10 minutes into the movie, you just completely forget who 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 the actors are and you're just completely to the characters. Yeah. It's which is just beautiful acting. Always a, a good sign. Yeah,
0: he does, uh, I do like him and Daniel Radcliffe are on these kind of parallel paths mm-hmm. where they did these massive franchises obviously got paid big bucks and then went I'm doing what the fuck I want now. Um, although Robert Pattinson's now going to be Batman which is interesting.
1: Yeah, this seems like a very strange choice after he did, what was it? Good Time was fantastic. High Life mm. was amazing. Um,
0: maybe he knows something about this Batman film. Maybe. Or maybe they offered him millions of pounds. Or
1: Maybe he's just again, doing a
2: bit If you are offered to be Batman it's pretty cool, right? I suppose you're going to be Batman, aren't you? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, it'd be weird to say no to that. <laughs> um,
0: Sunshine. So after uh, we watched The Lighthouse, I said, you know what's a great companion film to this? is Sunshine. It's about people being driven mad by a really bright light. Um, also has Greek mythology undertones as well. Uh, and i think i i i I have confessed it is weirdly my favorite film even though i don't consider it a five-star film i think it is flawed in places but i just adore it so i uh made you guys watch it um what were your initial thoughts
1: initial thoughts it's been a little while
0: Mm.
1: since we watched sunshine yeah a few weeks yeah
2: it's stuck in the memory then I, I, it's, it's it's certainly beautiful, but I just I know what I mean. There's something that just takes away, just it just dulls the edge of the movie for me. Mm-hmm. And I I place it with the editing. Personally, I think I think it's quite detracting. Okay,
0: I think the editing gets very intense towards the end. It's a lot of sharp cuts and quick cuts, and I think part of that what they were trying to emulate as they get towards the sun this idea that gravity distorts time and space so Mm -hmm. it's meant to become quite hard to follow (coughs) excuse me um i think it's a choice that yeah cat does distract um a lot of people complain about it turns into a slasher at the end i don't actually have a huge issue with that i think the editing is probably a bigger issue
1: I still found that a bit bizarre. Uh, there was because it didn't last for very long. Mm. Some sort of flash of the Slash of portion, and it didn't. It just sort of popped up out of nowhere, I lasted of the for a bit, and then it just sort of went. Yeah. Again.
0: Um. I feel like. Danny Boywood made what was going to be just this really quiet indie mm. about isolation and. And then kind of panicked and didn't stick to his guns and went. Oh no, we need something exciting to happen. Mm
1: or the studio said Maybe, we want yeah. something exciting to happen we need some big action mm. because Spirit. the
0: first I think the first half is just I can watch the first half again and again it's first, yeah. so pretty it's the sound is phenomenal mm. again you go it goes back to that lighthouse the foghorn sounds that um, the sound of what's I forget the um, uh, communications guy's name but he listens to what he, they call his space yeah. music That. boom
3: boom boom
0: it's just repetitive and it comes back again and again
2: and then you have that score that then got stolen for millions of yeah I I'm, 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 um just like we watched it and I was like huh I've heard this piece of music and everything and yeah, I uh, quickly it, look up going oh it was an original piece of music for this movie interesting yes, and they stole
0: it basically ruined it by using it in every trailer for about seven years yeah. afterwards uh, Okay, but for, as the original piece of music for that film mm-hmm it works so well and yeah I feel like this first half is just beautiful and some of the visuals are just stunning and then yeah it just kind of goes off the rails a
2: little bit mm. which is a shame it's because I've, it's, it's always difficult to like contain a story in such a confined space it's it's, it's, it's probably one of the toughest things I'd say for writing because mm. um, you'll you, 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 you never have that excuse of no you know that that, uh, that, that that method of meanwhile back at the Farm, it's like you can just cut to more something more interesting, yeah. mm-hmm. um, because it's so you confined, you're stuck there and you've got no way to escape um, that location. So, and I think that's really what I, f- I felt like when it came to the slashing thing, because it felt like it's like, oh Jesus, uh, oh, uh, I can't really hold this boat together for an element, yeah, which was a slashing man. So it's it, it sort of detracted from. That isolation. Mm.
1: I think if you're going to do this like that as well, you need to be able to weave. I think that you know the problem with having it in one place is it makes it very difficult to have subplot. And I think you need subplot in a feature film, mm. um, unless you've. It sort of I feel like it worked with Lighthouse because the characters were so strong, um, but with Sunshine you maybe need.
2: It was a really. I think it was potential maybe the difference was because the ensemble. Sunshine mm. had a bigger a lot bigger cast. Yeah, which can give me more excuse to have more character drama cause there's more things that can happen. But at the same time, it's trying to keep them all meaningful and that stuff not feel tacked on. And- yeah, I think there's definite characters in it
0: that are strong. Like Killian Murphy's character is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's probably the only characters whose name I remember. Um, oh. Kanada is the captain. Cause obviously he gets killed off within 40 Very minutes he was quite strong. And then you've got the psychologist fella uh, with the greatest line as Canada is on the top of the ship and the sun's about to engulf him and he's just down there going, what do you see? What do you <laughs> see? Um, which is kind of that, that obsession, that obsession with the sun and light, I think is something that obviously both films explore. Um, I don't think either of them ever really come to a conclusion as to.
2: And I don't, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you don't have, not forced to explain yourself if anything I think that's if anything I really want, wanted more of that stuff mm. um, I think it could have helped that's, that's where the editing bit even get annoys me not just for the later half even for the, the, the first for the entire film I've, there's so many sequences I'm like just just hold it mm. so it was personal preferences but I'm just sitting there going if you're going to focus on such beautiful imagery really let it showcase I thought something had cut away too many times from actually beautiful scenes it's just like you're like, oh, if you try to show me this, let me actually appreciate it. Yeah, I feel like it just—it uh, was too many times. It's like, oh, that's it. There, back to cut away. Mm. It's like, mm.
1: I feel like it did that less at the beginning. Cause from what I remember from Sunshine was sort of the first half was a lot slower, and it kind of had you in that almost trance-like state with the sound design and mm. the shots and the pace of the story. It kind of lulled you, and it put you in this kind of dream-like state that when you then had these crazy sequences with the with the light and it was really shocking and it really like shocked you out of that
0: yeah they have that noise like the noise of the sun that they use which is effectively just this distortion is really effective because it goes from this like that space music to yeah which is really intense um but i just want an entire film of the first 35, 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's what I want from yeah. a film. I just want Killian Murphy talking slowly into a microphone about how the sun is dying and all of that. And it's so peaceful and so nice with those interjections of, "Oh, this is kind of this real intense scene sort of
2: thing." Yeah. So if you go, if you're go, go to go the meditative, stick with it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a Danny Boyle film, and I think it's probably his most artistic film he's ever made like the most mm. interesting unless you have other i'm not i can't think of any others uh, that, um, that are as pretty and as not well that designed c- not that i can think of oh. yeah,
1: pretty isn't normally his things it? it's normally more than the grit mm.
0: yeah um but it, there's like i think sunshine is potentially the most um PC desktop background film that has ever existed. <laughs> there are so many shots in it that are just you want them on your desktop background. They just yeah, look I can see nice. that. Um but yeah, that's why it's like one of it is. My favourite film, but it just frustrates me it's not perfect. <laughs> I wish it was perfect.
2: Um
0: any other thoughts on either of those?
2: Uh, it's interesting to compare them because about the whole thing of can confined space and stuff you know and, and all the parallels with them the light and stuff they're just in such drastic ways though that I, I what you'd always want to see more films in, in closed spaces I think there'll always be the more interesting ones mm. and stuff and I'm, I'm still waiting for an actual good adaptation of waiting for God for some reason <laughs> Um, I don't know why I, I'm just waiting I think you're the only one who I'm the only person who ever wants that yeah um,
0: Is that, and shouldn't some things just be left on the stage? yeah I, I'll probably
2: agree with that but at the same time why not <laughs> it's, 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 give it someone just do some crazy bullshit with it. I think that was uh, the attitude to
0: last year's version of cats though Paul, and I think the attitude of why not isn't always a good thing <laughs> okay tissue I do need to, I, I would like to do an episode on that please. I, I want think... us all to sit down and watch cats. And then an immediate reaction episode afterwards we'll do it for the uh home home theater release i think it's
2: out uh, next month
3: i think that's so. a great idea
2: but i'm hoping with um with lighthouse and actually also with parasite it, it brings in that love again for closing in spaces and, and making them really confined stories like my favorite comedy is um the dinner game the french uh, french 1990s comedy it's like it's just all in one apartment and stuff, and and it, that's that's when good writing is truly showcased. Mm. Tarantino did it with Hateful Eight, but I don't think his writing could carry it. Yeah, Hateful Eight, I would. Was... Which is weird because I'd I, consider him the best writer out there easily, but it, it just he just couldn't. I think he just overstretched himself and but, just.
0: Uh, th- my, it's such a simple complaint. The hateful eight hate is just too long. Yeah. For what it is, like it needed to be, I think forty-five
2: to mi- forty-five it's like, minutes it's to like an hour. Or... It's like three hours long. It's insane. Right? I, think right? a, I think you can chop. I think you can chop off an hour of it.
1: Mm. I went to see the director's cut of that. Why and, um, the director's cut? Because I hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> they had, they he had... thought
0: it needed more. <laughs> I know
1: they had like a seventy mil uh, like printing of it, uh, one of the big the big screens in London, and it was cool. They had like a musical like interlude in the middle, and they had like music before and after to like set the
0: mm.
1: set the scene. But pff,
0: that's yeah, too long. It was it how was... long was the director's cut?
1: I think it was maybe an extra. 40 minutes 35 oh, minutes Jesus.
0: that's too much how that's, did that's ridiculous I would have died of hunger
1: it was I can't remember exactly how much longer it was but that's it was mo- it was quite a uh, yeah it was quite a long one we'll that's, see how long
2: it is. that's a movie that should have stuck to the 90 minute rule yes you don't have to uh, yeah because I, I love having too much writing but that you just didn't know how to contain it because um, it was one night and it was just so, it was just too, it was just Overstretching themselves, and it was also quite frustrating at the start when it all happens. So you saw the seventy mil print, which yeah. even seems even more pointless.
1: Exactly when you have those opening shots out in the snow, the wide wide shots out in the snow that and seventy mil was just gorgeous. Yeah, and then suddenly are shoved in this, which I guess is partly the point, but it it's just really unsatisfying.
2: Yeah, you, you don't, it's like a tee It's like, oh, look at these beautiful things. You're never going to see this again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's two, there's there's two and a half hours of the movie left yeah. that you and that first twenty minutes you're never going to see again. It's like, oh, what's the point of even having it then?
1: Yeah, I think one of my favourite films that does it well with the confined, well not necessarily confined space, but just picking a space and sticking in it is Hard Candy mm, with Alan so. Page.
0: Oh, it's been a long time since I watched that.
1: I, I really really still love that film I think it's such a simple you know it's sort of real time yeah. they do some crazy lighting changes I'm getting sidetracked they do some crazy uh, lighting changes in that as well like changes in colour in shots mm. like mixed on her mood and yeah I think that's a film yeah. that does that whole pick one location don't leave it tell a story just in there I'm trying so to think of
0: similar films all oh, I can think of is Cabin in the Woods though which is mm. Freaking glorious film! I love great. it. Um, but that's they do. It's not all in the cabin, is it? So, um, I can't really think of any others off the top of my head.
2: That... Well, the way I it um the Dinner Game, which mm. was an adapted American remake, Dinner for Schmucks.
0: Oh right, yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, fuck that movie. Yeah, that wasn't
0: very good. Um, <laughs> but can that be our new catchphrase? Uh,
2: fuck that movie. Fuck that movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for anything we don't like. Okay. But yeah, it's like a Le dinner de corn It's actually called Yeah, I always forget What it's called in French um, So that will escape the scene Purely through for, for phone calls But it just works great Because the, the characters are sitting there going Oh, we've got to sort everything We've got to do this we got to do that Oh, call them And that's where it just drives Because mm-hmm. after a phone call Everything goes really bad It's like, oh shit So they've got more issues coming And that's how they introduce Even more factors Is with a phone call So it's like Phone call, try and sort the issue out oh no this phone calls and they brought five other issues on board and it's just such a farce and 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 it's a fantastic little comedy have Mm.
1: you seen the party
2: the party that seems Um, familiar
1: is it sally potter sally porter (laughs) Mm. but that is a very similar idea that is a great great little film it's so funny it's so it's just like a dinner party with like five or six characters they're all in a room Mm -hmm. you're reminded of something at the beginning you then completely forget about it, and then it's answered at the end. Uh, it's the same thing. They sort of use the phone to bring in the outside. I reckon it was probably quite heavily inspired by um, the film that you were just talking about.
0: I've uh, googled best one location films. Uh, actually, top of the, their list, and I enjoyed it, is uh, Have You Seen Buried with no. Ryan Reynolds trapped in a coffin? No, oh, i heard about wait, this, but yeah. I haven't it's, seen it. It's kind of silly, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's not necessarily the best
2: made film, but it's a it's a cool concept. I must be the only, yeah. one and only people who just would not watch anything Ryan Reynolds in. Why? I don't know, I just don't like him. Fuck that guy, apparently. <laughs> nice. um, he, I don't know, uh, whenever I see him, I just I just want to watch a movie of Ryan Gosling instead. Ooh, okay.
1: pitting the Ryans against each other.
2: Yeah, I'm pitting the Ryans against
0: each other. <laughs> the there's
2: only room for one
0: Ryan. There's only, <laughs> one, <laughs> there's
2: only one Ryan, Ryan um,
0: is actually good. Well, I'm a, I'm a fan of old Mr. Reynolds. Um, also in the, on this list is Devil, the one in the elevator. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was uh, the first time I watched it. I thought I was like, this film's brilliant. And then I rewatched and was like, this film's shit. <laughs> 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 but again, nice concept. Uh, 12 Angry Men. Oh, yeah. Classic. Yeah.
2: Um, Panic Room. Actually, yeah. That, that's a Fincher movie that I think doesn't have enough love. Mm, I, I liked why. it. I think... I think
1: it's
2: got quite a lot of love. No, it's it's it's, it's one of the uh, most hated adventure movies.
1: Critically or
2: critically, yeah. Or okay, yeah. oh, other than Alien Three, um, but you know, no one talks about Alien Three. Yeah, Alien Three is. I was thinking, I also like Naomi Watson in that movie, but it's not. Mm. Don't know why. There's some uh, interesting
0: ones on this list. Actually, I love we've gone on this tangent, but it's a good <laughs> yeah. tangent. Uh, my dinner with Andre, have you? I've not seen no. that. Uh, mm. Twelve Angry Men mentioned panic room, again. But I think think they're taking liberties a little bit because it's not just set in one room. I guess guess it's one house, so that's all right. Rear window, yeah, Mm. yeah. Um, they've got a green room. Oh fuck yeah, that's a great yeah. Yeah.
2: Never actually no, I wouldn't consider. It spends most of its time in the in the green room. Mm are the, but they do but they do break out of that space quite a lot yeah I know it's about breaking out of the green room but they do eventually I, I, think really, I kind of want to do another viewing of that that was a
3: mm-hmm.
2: good Blue Rune is a good one to watch same director
3: okay
2: mm. great, okay okay um,
0: well I think next we'll talk about Parasite next episode you need to get around and watching it
1: I do I've been super slow on this one I've yeah. had people telling me to watch it for about a year
0: get on it we've both already watched it so I'll catch up we don't need to do a, I'll a group watch it again actually Yeah, I would watch it again yeah, yeah. but yeah we won't, won't say anything more obviously we'll save all of the opinions of that we need to think of a companion piece mm, okay. and to go with Parasite uh, that's where you dear listeners probably come in if you can think of a good companion movie for Parasite I'm already coming up with a few but we'll see what people suggest what's in your head, what's in your head? So we're going to finish episodes with a little segment called what's in your Head," uh, lifted from my previous podcast, uh, because it's always interesting to know what people are watching, maybe what you're reading, just something you're, some media that you're consuming that you're currently enjoying or thought was bloody terrible. Um, first of all, we'll come to, we'll, we'll finish positive. David Lynch's new short film on Netflix. We watched it
2: together. You, you there, Emma?
3: I a... What
2: the fuck was that about?
3: <laughs>
2: um, a, a reason why Netflix should give David Lynch all the money in the world to finally make uh, Johnny Walker. Okay. Walkett? Johnny Walker? Johnny Walker? I can't remember. Which is the script he's written. A script he's. Uh, a, a movie he's been wanting to make for
0: years and years and years. Why hasn't he made it? Because uh, he's kind of a guy that.
2: Seems I don't know. I'm not too sure what's happened with that. Um, it was all sort of it's always something that's been constantly discussed but no it's just never happened yet hmm. and any David Lynch fan who's worth their two cents um should be anxiously waiting for that for some
0: reason and you this is where we do disagree because you are very much a David Lynch fan yeah, he's the best. He's the, and I would argue that he's a madman who uh, should be locked away and never given a camera again. Is he the nicest Aww. man ever though? I'm sure he's lovely. There's a lot of people who uh, are lovely but make terrible things, Paul. <laughs> Can you
3: take
0: that back? I, uh, well, no, I, I want you to sell David Lynch to me. Um, my only real experience of him is various episodes of Twin Peaks, which I like the idea of, but just, it's too there's too much of it for me to invest in watching it all
1: the thing that i love about Lynch is that you don't have to overthink it you I, I think that's the problem that some people have because the films are so layered and there's so much going on and they're so unclear but you're supposed to just take from it whatever you take from it there's not supposed to be this like dig off from what I understand there's not supposed to be this like digging to try and understand what actually physically happened. It's not about what actually physically happened. And I just think that's really fun. Mm. I think that's a really fun idea to just be given a film and be like, watch it. Enjoy it. Make it feel let let it make let it <laughs> let it happen. <laughs> yeah, let it happen. Thank you.
0: <laughs> but this was my I was so I watched Mulholland Drive and just finished and was like this didn't mean anything and half of it's nonsensical and it doesn't at all tie together. It just seems
2: to be this weird collage of ideas he had. Yeah, I, I think that's, it's, it's a series of vignettes and that's what he loves, little, these little pastiches. And...
1: Little character studies. Yeah,
2: he, I, he's, and I think that's that's definitely, you can sort of track this through his um, career. I think after Twin Peaks was when he really changed and we got really interested in the sort of duplicity of people and stuff like that. And that just became just a constant recurring theme. In a way, to decided to go more dreamlike and that stuff. That's so just a series of dreams stitched together. Mm. Um, so, of course, it seemed quite bizarre uh, to, to everyone. It's like, oh, what does it mean? It's like, well... You don't really have there. There maybe there's no meaning to it. You don't have to apply a meaning to it. Don't search for it. If you do want to search for it, cool. That could always be part of the experience of watching Lynch. Um,
0: because I think that's why I, I think you're quite content with that. Whereas for me, being a writer, I want some deeper meaning, mm. and I just don't think there is any. With mm. him, a lot of the time, I don't think he's going. right I'm going to do this to this, and this subtly means this or suggests this.
1: I think there are there are layers of that i think some of it, i think it does mean I think there is meaning in there mm-hmm. but it's just up to you to find it if you want
2: it's it's, it's a challenge it's but and who knows maybe and, and we'll play people have locked themselves in rooms trying to understand my home driving and came out insane <laughs> uh, yeah basically um, I think it was Roger, Roger Ebert and a bunch of um, prof- uh, film professors locked themselves in the room for like a weekend or a week or something like that, and came out went, we've got no clue. <laughs> that's uh, why it's so
1: fun. Then, that's because, that's yeah. that, I think
2: that's why it should be fun. It's it's such a ch- it's, it's just a challenge for you to get as much out of you, and even then, if it comes to nothing, surely that's just still be somewhat commended. Yeah, I
1: don't I know.
2: I've i and, and if there is nothing there at the end of the day, it's still provoking you to. Mm-hmm. Um, to invite you to do these things,
1: it's like it can either be like a really intellectual exercise, or it can just be like oh, I'm just gonna sit and feel a bit weird for an hour.
3: <laughs> it can
1: be either you can choose what you're feeling when you sit down to watch a lunch film. That's why I like it's it.
2: That's why uh, I think I think it's, it's constantly discussing his own interviews, where it's like, oh, I don't care, but I'm not gonna give my interpretation. Yeah, which yeah. I respect. I like that. He's like your interpretation is your interpretation. I'm not gonna drip feet mm. My interpretation, because that defeats the. I think for him it defeats the point. So it's sort of um, it's trying to just like force into a quest of discovery if you want to. Sure. Um, Emma, what's in your head?
1: So I have been at the moment. What is in my head is, too old to die young, the series on Amazon. Is it yeah on Amazon Prime? Uh, by our old pal Refin. I have been like. You may drive. You may drive. Yeah, I've always been and the demon and other.
2: I've heard the Young or Demon other is awful. Uh, it's a uh, I think it's unsung un, un, unsung gem. Is really? I was that it. the
0: one the one he released after Drive,
2: right? Mm. Or was that before? No, there was one between. Yeah. There was only God forgives. Uh, is that the one? There's one that just the everyone one in, hated. Oh, that yeah, I'll be that, that one. That God was all in Bangkok. Okay, yeah, everyone yeah. hated it again i think that's a little great piece but it's definitely i think it's probably one of the most i've not seen fear X yet but it's probably one of the tougher ones to crack through mm. and try and appreciate because there's just i think there's a lot of weird elements going on that are quite bizarre to and really challenging
1: i think i've always had my problems with well not my problems i've just always been very undecided and there is obviously this whole argument that he only he just fills his sets with like young beautiful white women no. <laughs> um which is true but also so does so does everybody else in hollywood that's yeah. like a that's like an industry-wide issue not a director specific issue in my opinion um so i was like yes i wasn't that sold about watching it loads of people have told me that it was really really slow and i love a slow I love a slow film mm. or a slow series but it had been described to me as painfully slow it's not sold on that and uh, Paul talked me into watching it and I said you've got three episodes to convince me and like 20 minutes into the first episode I was absolutely sold it's great I've watched maybe three episodes so far
3: okay.
1: um, and it's just beautiful it's just so patient and every shot is just stretched as far as you can stretch it, but without it getting boring. That's okay. I think that for me was the key thing. It's never boring. It's never slow to the point that you lose interest. It's just like everything is given as much time as it possibly c- can. Every shot, every character, and it's, it's a big ensemble. And every time you cut to a new character, you're, you, you don't want to leave the character you've just been spending time with but the second that you're introduced to a new character you're just in it and you're like, oh great, like, totally absorbed by this new storyline and this new character and yeah, I can't wait till we finish yeah. the rest of it What's it called again? Uh, Too Old to Die Young okay. Good title
2: Especially when it comes on the credits it's just fills his frame So it's slowly changing, it
1: a watch. slowly changing my mind on, uh, on him because I was not convinced with Neon Demon Really,
2: yeah, Wrefin's cool. Re- Re- a tough one because he just got it's. I, I think he's really unappreciated. Uh, Subversive it's a, it's a filmmaking is his whole thing, and he really wants to push that idea to the max so he will have a lot of imagery that can easily piss people off. The beautiful women's stuff, there's scenes with naked women showering, trying to clean blood off them, uh, and like torture scenes, and there's, there's, there's really, really like. Image, uh, images that just really test, test you. But it's like, I, th- I think his reaction is is, is I think that's it's designed to do that. I think that's what he wants to do. I think he wants you to be pissed off a lot. A lot of the imagery he's putting out there. Um, I don't think he, he's he's trying to lull you into an agreement with what he's trying to present. I think he does what want you to um. be anti against film. Sometimes I think he's I think he really wants a a, a divisive mm. um, image just so. I think, I think that's how he achieves the effect so like something that can like if you can disagree with what you see on the screen I think he's almost like yeah you should be
0: yeah well there's that the old thing isn't it of make something people love or hate don't do anything in between because otherwise then you're just i
1: always find that a bit annoying <laughs> though, i feel like that's quite an egotistical way of making stuff it's just like i just want to get a reaction out of people but mm. like, i don't care what the reaction is as long as i like get something out of them it's just like why though like is there a purpose behind well, that or is it just because you as a filmmaker want to like want to shock people like, it, it, it it's sort of like sick when you know when you get directors who is just like who just love it when they hear people walk out of their, their screening it mm. makes them so happy to know that they've like pissed somebody off so much that they've got up and walked out and I'm just a bit like why I don't yeah, understand it just that'd me sad like,
0: uh, I'd be like oh love yeah. me <laughs> um, cool yeah I'll check that out um,
2: before we go thoughts on the Oscars uh, it's um, it's it's, ni- it's nice. that finally, like, it's not a Hollywood movie that has got the praise of the Oscars. But you know, the Oscars still pill shit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like they're just trying. I think they're just trying to make themselves feel good. Yeah. Plus, you know, it's a movie about making fun of sort of the class divide and how ridiculous. Uh, Don't say too much. I won't yeah. say too much, yeah. but you no, know, it's a film that touches these points, and I know it's a bit. I think it's a bit ironic. All these rich people. Um, sort of wanking themselves off going oh I love this movie it's like
0: uh, but that's always the I don't, know. The I, I, I don't just... know I don't know if they're just if, if they're, yeah it's, they often bit like Moonlight it makes them feel better that they've voted for it um, and sometimes you just want them to just vote for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood cause... And it, and it
2: feels weird I don't know if I, 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 I don't believe they've missed the a, missed, missed a point in the movie because the point isn't like hard to find no but so it's like surely they surely realise of the criticisms that the movie presents I is it's the old sort of thing with the Guardian readers like oh drinking champagne being the Guardian feeling, about, feeling bad about how much money they have mm. it feels like that but not really doing anything about it still, still sipping champagne
0: I think it was definitely a, a vote for a foreign film because they knew it would get attention
3: mm.
0: because I would argue it isn't the best film on the list this year Oh, um, what would you say was? I would say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was possibly the best film on that list and it's definitely in my opinion Quentin's best since Pulp Fiction
3: yeah.
0: Um I'll argue 1917 as a technical achievement but I think it, it got it got the reward and the technical side didn't it but I think 1917 is probably up there um, of Little Women wasn't it nominated No. Yeah. Which is what's, ridiculous. Of not. No, can't have a female director winning things.
1: I think that like, it wasn't just a female director, was it? It was like there was such a female film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's about five. Do oh, you know it's about women? Four. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, cut that. <up. laughs> but it's about you know it's about women and it's about women's stories and it's you know there's an amazing bit at the end of that film where they're trying to make a point about how like men can't understand women well, <laughs> no, can't understand which is me. true can't it's understand true. Weird, weird shit the, 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 <laughs> I don't know I've lost my train of thought
0: <laughs> well my opinion is give Greta Gerwig everything because she's brilliant and Lady Bird was my favourite film of last year was it last year or a year before it came out a year, before. A year before yeah. but that was brilliant
1: and she's great in Frances as well. she's just the best mm-hmm let all the things. I agree. All the things. All
2: the things. Um, Gratigo. Um, yeah, I, um, I, I I agree with that, and, and along with I hate the Oscars, mm. uh, for how they also, how they hate horror films. They've got a really horror horror film bias. But they hate uh, any <coughs> genre film.
0: They hate superhero films They hate. They're they fl- like, coming around to superheroes now, but <coughs> because it's it's
2: so hard it's just, for them to ignore yeah. it. It's uh, yeah, it's just a popularity contest nowadays. Yeah. But um, yeah. I uh, I I'll, I'll say fuck the Oscars just because the their crit their entry criteria is designed to just limit the pool. Mm. So if a film didn't have great distribution, not even like a budget, it's just distribution. Like mm. mandate didn't even get didn't even qualify and stuff like that just because they couldn't show in these certain LA cinemas. That's how they enter. Mm. if you can get a certain one, like a week one at, all, at like five LA cinemas it's like ridiculous because they're, they're super expensive and the distribution costs are unnecessary for those cinemas because that's the only way you can get nominated for the Oscars in that pool so it's so restrictive and it's like and these it's, it's, it's so it's limited pool even though there's just far better things out there that just don't have the distribution for it yeah mm. Um. so um. yeah they can get a fuck <laughs> and if they don't like the genre film then you know I, I think that's an, an unfair bias but
0: there's it's kind of a snobbery as well totally you, you look at like horror comedy and kind of just like action films movies never do very well with the oscars the only reason the superhero stuff has been done, done well lately but even like infinity war and end game didn't get any awards this year really which is kind of unusual i thought they'd do a because you remember with lord of the rings they like fellowship of the ring two towers got nothing Mm -hmm. and so they gave return of the king everything yeah and it was kind of everyone understood that these awards aren't it's for the achievement of the trilogy yeah and i thought end game avengers end game would get the same treatment because it's the climax of 21 films it would get lots of awards Yeah, but I'm pretty sure
2: Martin Scorsese that. is one of the people who chooses. Yes, so you probably he probably hates them. <laughs> so, uh, he probably went, walked into that room and went, so, nope. we're f- so fuck this bullshit, yeah? Yeah? I'm Martin
0: Scorsese, and I not fuck me. these movies. Yeah, he really has. I don't understand why he's got this chip on his shoulder
2: about that. a chip on his shoulder? He's right. He's a fucking nerd. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, it's always fun reading comments of people going that, saying that Martin Scorsese doesn't understand what cinema is. I find it really fucking. I find it really rich coming from like some random person, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, Mark's going to understand doing the cinema. It's just like, what? It's this not. is. Well, he's, you, he's, he's like the biggest fucking nerd out there.
0: But he clearly doesn't enjoy the Marvel films. I don't know if there's an element of.
1: That's fine. Like, I think just because he's, he's allowed to have, he's allowed to not like superhero movies. So it could yeah. be his personal. Uh, Preference just because it's got this platform because it's Scorsese it doesn't mean we have to listen to him. But the problem it's is true. people
0: do listen to him. That's the issue. I listen to him, and then everyone's like, "Oh, Joker's fucking amazing!" And it's one of the worst superhero. I think films he's that's right to, to be in pissed off that movie
2: because it ripped off two of his movies. Yeah, yeah, fair. <laughs> I think um, he's totally entitled to say this was shit because it copied two of my movies and stole my actor. <laughs> yeah. Who got the
0: award, actually, for that performance, which is the only good thing about that film. He deserved that mm. award. fucking Felix Phoenix been in the Scorsese movie?
2: Mm, probably, no. Because no. Um, De Niro is basically just playing...
0: Yeah, that, De Niro is the worst thing in that film, though. It is the biggest miscast that's ever happened. But that's
2: but it's, a, it's a, but it's just a king of comedy again. Hmm. That, that, that is, that's like a continuation of De Niro's character. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> I, 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 it's a very strange film, that film. Like... I just think there's a better version of that film Mm. to be made totally gone off on a tangent here there's a better version of that film to be made where they don't just slap on the Joker branding to it yeah like it was it shouldn't have been called Joker it didn't need to be this origin story of the Joker to go all comic book nerdy on you the joke the whole point of the Joker is he's not meant to have an origin story Mm -hmm. that's that's the mystique of the character you're not meant to know where he comes from so to try and make this origin story. Just, they've, they've slapped on the Joker branding to sell tickets and that film would not have done as well if they hadn't had the Joker branding on it but it should have just been about this clown dude who goes a bit fucking mental and kills a talk show host, sorry spoilers <laughs> and yeah that it frustrated me because I think there's elements of it that are great, Quacken Phoenix's performance, mm-hmm. I think it's actually there is a good story in there and then they just crowbarred all of
2: this Bruce Wayne stuff into it that yeah. they didn't need uh, yeah, it's not, it's not like I don't it's not like I dislike it, but it's just I I've seen it before. Mm. I didn't have to watch it to see that movie. I've literally seen the exact same story. Mm. Um, it, it's 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 bizarre how much it's just taxi driver and king of comedy yeah. just stapled together. It's, it's kind actually of quite got away a bit. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous imagery and everything. Uh, and and it's I'm I'm just sort of like. I've, I think it's definitely why Scorsese is pissed off at it,
3: mm.
2: and I can, I cannot agree enough because it's it's, it's 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 blatant as fuck.
3: Mm.
2: I'd be annoyed. Oh yeah, I think you'd, uh, you think it should a, be. I'm
0: annoyed at old old Marty because he's shitting on the films I like, but at the same time, fair enough to be annoyed. These
2: Joker. These, these hacks have just um, b- made a movie on the basis of his career and done really mm. well from it. But he's shadow over uh,
0: the Avengers films. I bet he's not watched one of them. Yeah. So. Uh, can, it's just, just watch a trailer, isn't it? <laughs> you don't understand, Paul. You've not been there for the last It's just a lot, of, a lot of
2: glowing lights and people in spandex. Oh,
3: there's
0: an emotion to it. There's a, there's a mythology and we'll, talk, we'll do an episode that you don't have to be involved in if you don't <laughs> want to be. I know you're not a fan of the comic book films. Um
3: I, the only
2: I one I liked was Civil War, just because I I Civil I
3: War
2: emph- I emphasise with the antagonist because he just wanted to kill all the superheroes, and I was like, yeah, mate, <laughs> I agree. Hold, um, Zemo. Uh, yeah, where? um, that German actor. The
0: German actor. Yeah, I forget his What's his name? He was in Dan- Rush, Daniel Brühl. Daniel Brühl. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, that is a good one though. But I understand. <laughs> you just want to kill all the heroes. He's right. He's right. <laughs> He's one the boat going, oh, I hate this to be can as a Just, just like, wander yes, and walk around. Tonight they're the big shit. Anyway, we've totally gone down a hole here. <laughs> uh, second attempt at an outro from me because the first one was a mess. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. We will be on Twitter and other social media at some point. Thanks for coming, Emma.
1: You're most welcome. Thanks for having us.
0: We'll see you soon. Uh, Paul, I'm going to make you watch the new spider-man film oh Jesus (laughs) Uh, we'll see you very soon people goodbye